0: President Trump's threat of fire and fury lead to progress on the Korean Peninsula. Plus, a former Trump campaign aide goes on a wild rant after Robert Mueller subpoenas him. And the president insists nothing to see here amid reports of White House chaos. This is the State of America Tonight.
1: Reason to believe that Kim Jong un is going to be a changed person.
2: South Korean officials announcing that North Korea would halt its nuclear and missile tests with conditions.
1: We must continue to stand together to prevent the brutal dictatorship from threatening the world.
2: What
3: lawyer could have possibly told you if you're going to reject the uh, subpoena for Mueller, you should go on television and call him an idiot? I have no problem complying. What I'm not going to do
4: is sit for 15 hours.
5: Certainly, if Mr. Nunberg has uh, light to shed, we'd be interested in finding out.
0: Joe Johns live in New York. This is the state of America tonight. Just moments ago, President Trump welcomed the Swedish prime minister to the Oval Office. He made remarks about North Korea. Let's take a listen.
1: A lot about terrorism, which is unfortunately a subject we discuss with many countries when they come to the Oval Office. But we'll be discussing many things. Mr.
0: President, do you consider the events in North Korea a breakthrough, possibly a peaceful breakthrough?
1: Well, I hope so. Uh, I want to uh, see what happens. We're in very close contact. Uh, We have come certainly a long way, at least rhetorically, with North Korea. It would be a great thing for the world. It would be a great thing for North Korea. It would be a great thing for the peninsula. Uh, But we'll see what happens. Uh, We have uh, been in a situation that should have been handled for a long time. For many, many years, this should have been taken care of. It shouldn't have been waited, but uh, we'll get it done. Say it. you believe the new North Koreans are prepared to give up We're going to see. We're going to see. They uh, seem to be acting positively, but we're going to see. Well, no, and I'm willing to go, as you probably noticed uh, this morning, where we sent out through social media statement, willing to go either way. Hopefully, it's going to be the proper way. The proper way is the way that everybody knows uh, and everybody wants Uh, But we are prepared to go either way. I think that their statement and the statements coming out of South Korea and North Korea have been very positive. That would be a great thing for the world. Great thing for the world. So we'll see how it all comes about. I, I will say this, and we've been given tremendous credit because the Olympics was not going well. And when they came in out of the blue and they said we'd love to participate in the Olympics, it made the Olympics very successful. President Moon of South Korea was very generous in his statements as to the fact that we had a lot to do with that, if not everything. We had a lot to do with it. The Olympics were beautiful. They were uh, really very successful. And as you know, they weren't looking that way prior to. So uh, I thought North Korea was terrific. They came out. They went into the Olympics. They went in with good spirit. They did well. Uh, it's uh Let's see if we can carry it over. We may carry it over. It may not. Very. Uh, it's a very tenuous situation. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I'd like to be optimistic, but uh, I think maybe this has gone further than anyone's taken it before. Nobody's been in the position. This should have been handled long ago. This should have been handled over many years by many different administrations. Not now. This was not the right time to handle it. But uh, these are the cards we were dealt. We're handling it properly. And again, as I said, uh, hopefully we'll go in the very, very peaceful, beautiful path. We're prepared to go whichever path is necessary. I think we're having very good dialogue. And... uh, you're going to certainly find out pretty soon what's happening. But uh, we have uh, we have made progress. There's no question about it. Mr. Yeah, president, the going to Kim Jong-un? No, no.
3: We'll see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah, if, they talks, talks? If, if
1: they agree to just suspend any type of
0: tests right now. We're
1: going to see what happens. I don't want to talk uh, so much about things that we don't know yet. But we have had very good dialogue. I think it was very positive dialogue. And uh, you've heard that before. But so far whether you look at the clinton administration or the bush administration or the obama administration uh it never worked out that was the time to have settled this problem not now but we are settling we're going to do something now one way or the other we have to do something we cannot let that situation fester. We cannot let it happen. Are we're gonna see what happens. I don't want to talk about it. We're gonna see what happens. Are you
6: for Sweden to be able
1: to Sweden will always be helpful. Sweden has been helpful in the past. They were very helpful recently with respect to something else. Uh, they are a great friend and a very competent friend. What was
6: Sweden was helpful with something?
1: Excuse me? Yes, I do know that. I know that. A lot of people know that. Thank you for pointing it out, but we all know that. Okay, thank you very much. We'll see you later. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: That was President Trump just moments ago. We have a lot to discuss today. Let's bring in CNN White House reporter Caitlin Collins and CNN senior political analyst Mark Preston. First question to you, Caitlin. Uh, This president has certainly changed his tone, hasn't he, on talking about North Korea, going from calling Kim Jong-un a rocket man to now uh, saying we've come a long way rhetorically. He seems to be choosing his words. Very different Donald Trump on North Korea, wouldn't you say?
2: I certainly would. Over the past uh, 13 or so months that he's been in the White House, the president has vacillated between saying he's going to totally destroy North Korea, a quote of his from his speech to the United Nations, if they decided to threaten the United States or any of its allies. And he's gone between that and saying that he would be open to possible talks with North Korea. As he said Saturday night at a black tie dinner here in Washington, he was joking about North Korea, but then he grew quite serious and said that he had heard that North Korea was interested in speaking with the United States. but. They would have to denuclearize before he would agree to something like that. But now with the president uh, saying that today, that he would welcome any kind of possible progress with North Korea. But he does seem to be offering a word of caution here, Joe, that he's waiting to see. But also a lot of blame on the last administration. He said He's always said that previous administrations didn't do enough to handle North Korea when they could. And now he feels like that burden has clearly fallen on his shoulders. But he does seem to be welcoming here some kind of uh, progress with North Korea.
0: And Mark Preston, the president almost seemed to be modestly, if you will, taking a measure of credit for moving this process along. The question to you, do you think the president's tough talk has actually led us to this point?
3: Well, he might get some credit, certainly, for uh, some movement in the talks right now. Perhaps his tough talk has put a little bit of a chill in the spines of the North Korean leadership. But, but I do think we need to be just a little bit careful. He gave himself enough wiggle room uh, in his comments just now, uh, in his comments uh, earlier today, or certainly when he put out the tweet is that he's given himself room that if this doesn't work out, if these talks don't work out, then he goes on to say that we're going to we need to handle this because we can't let this situation fester. And then, of course, as you see right there, U.S. in this tweet from this morning, the U.S. is ready to go hard in either direction. So, yes, positive, certainly tone coming out of the White House today. But let's not forget that he hasn't given up the bellicose talk of going to war with North Korea.
0: Caitlin, uh, some of the other news domestically today. The Office of Special Counsel says Kellyanne Conway violated the Hatch Act. Uh, The White House says she was only articulating the position of the president. So OSC is referring that case to the White House for disciplinary action. What are the odds the White House does anything? And if you will explain to our viewers what the Hatch Act is.
2: Of course. The Hatch Act is to where someone who is in a position like Kellyanne Conway's cannot use that position of government to influence any kind of election with any kind of partisan politics. And politics. And the Hatch Act actually, they, the excuse me, the office of the special counsel, which I should caution is not at all related to the special counsel, Robert Mueller's investigation of Russia. But uh, the office of the special counsel has said that Kellyanne Conway did violate it twice late last year in regards to that special Senate election in Alabama. She made multiple Appearances on cable news shows. One of them was on a channel. She was standing in a similar position to where I am now in front of the White House. And they introduced her as the senior advisor to the president. And then she went on to say why voters should elect the Republican candidate over the Democratic candidate, saying that the Democratic candidate would not support the president's agenda. And they are saying that that was a violation of the Hatch Act. But as you said, when you you do violate the Hatch Act, it is up to that agency to discipline you. So it would be up to the White House to discipline Kellyanne Conway and it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen here Joe because they issued a statement after that report was published today saying that she didn't do anything wrong she was simply advocating for someone who would support the president's agenda if they did make it in office so it doesn't seem likely that there will be any consequences here for Kellyanne Conway at all seems to be a direct conflict of what the office of the special counsel recommended earlier today.
0: And, Marco, over the last 24 hours, Sam Nunberg, known to almost no one in political America, created a huge media frenzy with his round-robin interviews yesterday after he received a subpoena from the special counsel. Uh, but the question, I think, is, is that document more important than anything he said or could have said? What's your takeaway on Nunberg.
3: Well, certainly, because uh, we know that the names, the target names, that they're looking for correspondence from Sam uh, Nunberg and uh, folks who were on the campaign, whether that be Corey Lewandowski, who's a former campaign manager, Hope Hicks, Paul Manafort, basically all the names that we have talked about, you see them there on the screen, there's 10 of them. Right there. So the question uh, arises, what kind of conversations did he have with them? What was included in these emails? Uh, we do know now that he is going to cooperate, as you said, Joe. But what we saw yesterday will go down as one of the epic meltdowns uh, that we have seen in politics, certainly in some time, uh, when we saw Sam Nunberg just going out and really bearing his soul and his frustration and really uh, explaining to the American people um the level that it has gotten to him and we saw that in his face now if you are the trump campaign right now or if you're the trump administration you are worried about sam nunberg remember the trump administration sued sam nunberg back in july of 2015 uh, rather 2016 they, uh, the, uh, the lawsuit was was uh, finalized in August of 2016, and that lawsuit was over a non-disclosure agreement. So basically, the Trump campaign didn't want him talking, and talking then. They certainly don't want him talking now.
0: Thanks so much for that, Mark. And Caitlin, thanks also to you. Still ahead, Sam, Sam Nunberg's wild interviews did more than just feed the news cycle. They're giving new insight in scope and strategy of the overall Russia probe. Our panel's going to weigh in next on what we're learning. In the span of less than 24 hours, former Trump campaign aide Sam Nunberg has pulled a dizzying about face on the Russia investigation. He's gone from daring to be arrested to open cooperation with Robert Mueller's probe. Take a listen
4: want me over they want me over at the grand jury screw that, why do I have to go why, to what what I'm not going to have is to help Mueller's team target Roger Stone Roger is my mentor Roger's like a Roger is like a surrogate father to me, and I'm not going to do it I was thinking, to save time I've been advised against this maybe I'll just give them my password my email password because what do I have to go So or- then
2: you're going to comply.
4: <laughs> then I would comply, yes.
0: So what does that tell us, or does it tell us anything? The panel tonight, Evan Siegfried, Republican strategist and author of GOP GPS, Alex Burns, CNN political analyst and New York Times national political reporter Joe Borelli, Republican New York City councilman and Trump supporter, and Jake McCobie, a former uh, Obama administration official and policy advisor for Hillary Clinton's campaign. So, Evan, I guess I got to start with you. What does that tell us? Uh,
5: you know, my late grandfather was a lawyer, and he, I think that Sam Nunberg's attorneys would be well served taking his criminal defense strategy of, Your Honor, it's not my fault my client was an idiot and acted like a fool. Yeah. And, as we watched what happened yesterday, it went from funny to very, very sad and worrisome. As Aaron Burnett actually asked him, are you drinking right now? And he said no, but he's, uh, she was said she was able to smell alcohol on his breath. And then today, Sam Nunberg came out and said he was uh, going into treatment after he cooperates. But there's one thing here that I actually was talking to somebody who was a former federal prosecutor that might actually be at play. Nunberg might realize that in these emails that he will be giving over to Mueller, he's setting himself up for a problem. So he's trying to do or set up options now for one or two things. One, either an insanity defense, or two, (laughs) and it's deadly serious, or two, he's actually looking to try and get a cooperator's deal. Because he talked repeatedly in all of the interviews about the cost of the law or the lawyers he has. Did,
0: but did did he do the administration a favor? We we're talking so much about tariffs and uh and unrelated matters well, and, and suddenly change the subject.
6: North three. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things the Trump administration would have wanted to be speaking about. Uh, I think Sam was speaking to the audience of one. I think we saw that the play had a cast of three uh, and, you know, he contradicted himself at some point in the same sentence. And I think Evan's right. You know, it, it became sad. And I, I know Sam Nunberg and I've known him for a couple of years uh, and it was actually worrisome to see something like that.
0: But what do you think, uh, what, if you know him, what do you think happened? Was he drinking? I mean, he very well could have
6: been. You know, I certainly have no yeah. idea. But, you know, he's a guy who uh, was on the Trump campaign very early on. He was fired uh, in uh, November or, or even I think even earlier, September of 2016. He was pushed aside, uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. He was pushed aside. Uh, and I think that hurt him very much. And uh, I'm not sure what his involvement was for the rest of the campaign. Okay. And uh, we'll see.
0: Okay, uh, enough of Sam. Now, uh, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. let's talk a little bit about the presidential tweet, the question of chaos. The president says, on the one hand, there is no chaos. The tweet says, fake news narrative, the chaos in the White House, wrong. People will come and go. He wants strong dialogue before making a final decision. Um, He has some people he wants to change, always seeking perfection, no chaos, great energy. But then over the weekend uh, at the uh, dinner, uh, he said, so many people have been leaving the White House. It's actually been really exciting and invigorating i like turnover i like chaos it's really good now the question is who's leaving next so uh, this whole chaos uh talk that i can we just clear the air a little bit here from the perspective of a republican is there chaos or not
6: Look, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's chaos. I mean, the, the, the number of people turning over is a fact. We can count the number, and it's probably more than Obama and Bush previously. Um, it, but we, if we take a step back and we look mm-hmm. at sort of the objective things that we have measured presidents by, you know, sort of their agenda going forward, mm-hmm. uh, foreign policy, uh, you know, North Korea, you have, you have a bunch of stuff right, actually still. happening, and that's yeah. how
0: we measure them. Uh, does, does the chaos discussion even matter? Well, I think it matters a great deal. Yeah, it, does it, it matter to it, governance? It,
4: it, it, it matters enormously to governance, and it's actually less the people leaving, and it's it's more the lack of people going into the White House. That the reason why the conversation about chaos isn't just you know, the, the palace intrigue drama that we've seen going back to the campaign is that this president is losing staffer after staffer, and he's having a hell of a time replacing them, and it becomes harder and harder to operate a White House, to pass your legislative agenda, to operate government agencies in a way that actually conforms to your agenda if members of your own party simply don't want to go into government because there is this perception that it's just an endless circus. The
7: thing that I'd add to that, too, is that in addition to having a hard time getting people to come in, it it tends to affect the quality of the people who do come in and the kind of people who do come in, because the people who come in, are you are more likely to get people who are just, uh, who are not qualified for the jobs that they're trying to hold, Mm. um, who have ulterior motives, who have other agendas, people who just aren't up to the task of running a government, which is the job <laughs> of right. the president of the and, United and States. also have, look at what the president did
5: last week, announcing the tariffs. He didn't, mm-hmm. it was just willy-nilly, he just did it without consulting or even setting up a plan to uh, reassure our allies. He did the same thing with the trans ban. That creates chaos at home and abroad. And for there, him to say there's no chaos, after this show, I'm going on a date with Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stop it. All right, coming up, another... White House advisor runs into trouble with the law. We'll get the White House response and the panel's take coming up next.
2: And Doug Jones in Alabama, folks, don't be fooled. He'll be a vote against tax cuts. He's weak on crime, weak on borders. He's strong on raising your taxes. He's terrible for property owners.
0: That was White House advisor Kellyanne Conway in 2017 urging voters not to support Democrat Doug Jones for the U.S. Senate. On Tuesday, the U.S. Special Counsel's office accused Conway of violating ethics laws by using her public position to influence an election. The special counsel referred the case to the White House for disciplinary action, but the White House says she didn't do anything wrong. panel joins me again to weigh in. So, okay, we got an international audience here, and obviously they don't really understand what the Hatch Act, unless you explain it, is basically not double-dipping, not using your political job or your job at the White House to influence election, which the special counsel, not Robert Mueller, by the way, says she did. Does this break through... Uh, to the average American voter, is it even important?
7: I think what it does is it it really uh, deepens this idea that there's a real culture of corruption in this White House. The problem here, I mean, this is not the first time that Kellyanne Conway has gotten crosswise with ethics rules. Um, she did this when she was uh, hawking uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ivanka Trump's bags. Right. Um, but the reaction from the White House is really... Uh, is a real problem because they're basically saying, "Oh, this is no
6: violation. We're fine with this." And Which the- is the exact same thing that Barack Obama said when Julian Castro was also found guilty of violating the Hatch Act. And if it wasn't a problem for Barack Obama, and, and let's be fair, when that happened, CNN covered it. It was news. It was you know, it was something mm-hmm. problematic. Uh, when Kathleen Sebelius did it, she actually flew to an event, a political event, on a government plane. She ended up reimbursing the the, the government for for her, for right. her flight. But, right. but, but 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 again, Julian Castro, no punishment. Uh, Harry Reid accused James Comey of violating the Hatch Act. We have your, your you know, your, your
7: but this boss is on different. the plane. This is, was, different. This no is different from, you know, Harry Reid accusing someone
0: of violating the Hatch Act. This
7: is the Office of Special Counsel saying that they did right. violate the Hatch Act. But that has and no teeth, different. Is,
0: is that not the problem? We got nothing there when you say somebody violated the Hatch Act.
4: It's the problem, and in a lot of cases, it's how the law is set up to work, right? That this is your sort of, you know, finger wag from the principal. don't do it again. And there's actually not an enforcement provision in there outside of sort of shaming the White House. I do think it's worth mentioning that if we were having this conversation at this time next year and Democrats were to have control of the House of Representatives, this is one small example of the many, many ways that they would be able to make life miserable for the White House. Just every small infraction then suddenly becomes a subpoena and a hearing, and that's how you paralyze an administration. With a slight defense of Kellyanne Conway, yes – She could have slipped up.
5: But what she did and the fact that the White House and the president won't discipline her is part of a larger problem within this administration. We're hearing about cabinet secretaries like Ben Carson spending $31,000 on office furniture. We had Tom Price with all his trips, Ryan Zinke, David uh, Shulkin. It's going on and on again, uh, again and again. Secretary Mnuchin going to see the solar eclipse from the top of Fort Knox and bringing his wife, and then when it came out, oh, yeah, we'll reimburse. There is zero accountability. There's a culture within this administration of senior officials who use the United States government's property, for uh, which is only supposed to be used for official purposes.
0: They yeah. use it for personal uses. He did say he was going to drain the swamp, and it looks like the swamp. Does it not, it or, sure, or is it,
7: that I mean, too harsh? So no, it absolutely does. He's just inviting more people in and splashing around in it. The, the trouble here, um, in a in a broader sense, is that when you uh, when you make clear that you will um, sort of put your ethical responsibilities to the side in order to further your personal, political, financial uh, position, you are telling people that you're for sale. And that sends signals not just to people in the United States who might be bad actors, but people around the world. You saw this but, with Jared Kushner just look recently. Look how
6: far we've come from the actual crime, which is she answered a question mm-hmm. about Doug Jones on a two TV shows. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not talking about the scandal of the century. We've already she, made— you know, we've actually gone deflected to point, and gone to another we're, thing. We're probably, Instead, we, we, she we dug in point, and we're, said, we're you've got, 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 got to do this. He's bad point where We've sensationalized every single scandal— that ever possibly occurred in the Trump White every House. Federal and government, when there is something that's yeah, actually a violation, federal government official, the boy cred You know, it
5: as a city councilman, you're subject to ethics to the mm-hmm. point that... I avoid, avoid it, those rules. <laughs> <laughs> but every so federal those. government official <laughs> is not allowed to engage in any political activity while they're on the job because it looks like the federal
0: government itself is endorsing whatever but, that activity but, okay, is. Okay, but the truth is this does not affect Trump voters at all.
6: No, no. If you remember the analogy I used, boy who cried wolf, the second part of that story is when the villagers stopped paying attention. Uh, and we saw the poll numbers go up a little bit last month when the tax plan came into effect. We saw the poll numbers go down after Parkland, and Republicans sometimes get blamed for that. That is sort of indicative that the, the scandal du jour or, and the sensationalism of the, the palace intrigue may not be having as much impact on the American voters as you think. And,
4: that's part and, of the and problem. I, would, I would also say that, you know, look... The, the West Wing and the senior staff of the West Wing has been ultra-politicized for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the line between what Kellyanne Conway said on the air and what White House staffers have been saying on the air for 25
0: years is not that great. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Uh, this is day 411 of the Trump administration. That is the State of America tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow.